Lita. Lita. Lita, what are you doing? Shall we head to my favorite planet in the galaxy? The planet of good vibes. The planet of good vibes. It's time! All right, all right, all right. I love humanity. I think it's great. It's all good, man. I think the word you're searching for is Space Ranger. The Ham Planet Podcast. Hoping we're all doing good because we are keeping the good vibes at all time hot. And with that being said, I think it's about that time to blast off into the galaxy of good vibes. In the proxy, five, four, three, two, and one. Top of the morning, folks. Good afternoon and good evening, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome to the Ham Planet Podcast. I'm your host, Peter Ham. And if you're new to the podcast, fantastic night to have you here i must say so myself if you're new to the show the ham planet podcast is about three things simple as that good vibes great people and glorious stories so if you're into that make sure to subscribe make sure to show some love and it is appreciated as always y'all tonight we have a extremely special guest in the building and couldn't be more hype for a phenomenal episode ahead. She is a proud graduate of the Culver Academy's class of 2013, which I must say is a pretty damn good class to be graduating from. She is also a proud Oklahoma Sooner and we won't be holding that against her, even though I gotta say, Sick on Bears. Shout out Baylor Nation. Um, she is an expert in the mental health field for both men and women. She's the host of the Unwinding the Binding podcast. And she has traveled to all corners of the globe. And today, we are absolutely honored to be having her traveling through the galaxy of good vibes. She's the one, the only, Miss Katie Michaels. Let's give it up for her, ladies and gents. What's up? What's up? Katie Michaels landing on Ham Planet. (laughs) I'm here. What's up? Katie, how you doing? It's great to see you. I'm doing so good. I'm happy we could catch up and have our typical technical difficulties for the past hour and a half. Now I'm on beer number three. I'm feeling great. I'm warmed up. I know part of your life story that I didn't know before and I'm ready to go. I love it. All uh, all systems are a go, as I like to say. So, Katie. All systems are a go. It's a good feeling. It's a good feeling. So, Katie, we talked about um, you come into Jesus in our past conversations. And I just wanted to ask, how has 
choosing to be a Christian affected your social life? I'm curious. Oh my gosh, that's such a good question. So it's been really tough because I feel like there's all of these messages from society as of what being a Christian looks like. And before I became a Christian, full disclosure, I was like literally making fun of the Christians at my colleges. I, I was like, these are like the goody two shoes. These are the girls at the coffee shop taking those like silly pictures, smiling with their coffee mugs and like the ones that are overly sweet being like, oh my gosh, you little sweetheart. Like you're so, and I'm like, that's just not me. So when I first became a Christian. Never really has. Yeah, exactly. So when I first became a Christian, I was like, uh, so I have to become like that. So that was a little, that's been tough. And what's also been tough is that like, I came up with friends where we were all kind of like anti-religion. Like we like being rebellious. We're very like the universe and stuff like that. So I get the perspective of people who aren't saved. So it's been hard for me and some of my friend relationships from my past where um, when I try to talk to them about this stuff, I feel them like a wall go up and then like shut down and they don't want to talk about it. They don't have any interest in hearing about it. They support me and they love me, but like this wall goes up where it's, I see them start to draw a total blank. And like, that's exactly what does. <clears throat> the sad part is that's what I would say, like that's where it used to be. wants to happen. Yeah. And like, that's like where the world is in general, but like what I've realized is that like being a Christian has nothing to do with like being a goody goody. It has zero to do with being a goody two shoes. It has nothing even to do with my actions or like if I'm drinking this beer or if I go mess up tomorrow, it has to do with Jesus on the cross. I can't earn it. I can't do anything for it. And I'm just saved. And I'm, I'm innately kind of like evil, but like I am saved because I believe. And so that's been like a cool realization, but I would be lying if I didn't say it was super tough socially to figure out how to proceed because I'm going in with all these stereotypes about what I think a Christian is and I love my friends that aren't and it's super hurtful that it doesn't feel like maybe they want to listen to what I just went through. But I'm curious for you what that's been like for you. Well... So for me, I'd say I'm a kid who basically grew up in the church. Um, you know, my entire family, we're all Texan. We all lived in the same town of Mansfield, suburban town. And, you know, Grammy loves Jesus. Mommy loves Jesus. So I got to love Jesus. That's like how they've it been was praying for you. They've been praying. <laughs> They've been praying, get up, get your collared shirt on, get your slacks on. And we're going to church like every Sunday when I was growing up. And then, um, but at that point during my childhood years, I always just viewed it as like, oh, I gotta, I gotta do it. I gotta do what my parents say or else I'm, you know, not going to get Rice Krispies later or something like that. Right, totally. And I relate to that. Yeah. And so for the longest time until I was 16, I really 
I didn't have a concept of like what being a Christian was. Didn't really, you know, I, I would tell people like, yeah, I'm a Christian. Praise Jesus. Uh, yeah, I know John 3.16, so on and so forth. It was just so familiar to you that it just felt like it was just part of life, but you didn't really have to like, it was just right. there. Right. It was like, it was like a label That's I had, nice. but it wasn't a part of my life. And right. it's still a continuous journey to this day. But when I was 16, I lived with uh, my godfather and he's a good Christian man. But he's also like someone I look up to in many ways. Amazing. He's, he's very hardworking. He's a great father. He's a soldier. He's hilarious. He drinks beer. Yes. He brews beer. So I got to live under his wing for six weeks. Amazing. That's so cool. It was it was a blessing. And what he taught me was that you know you need to view you need to view God as like your friend. You need to view him as someone who always has your back, who always is going to under, be understanding, but who is always going to guide you to do what is good in this world. And mm. once he broke it down to me like that, where it was like, you have to have a personal relationship with Jesus. Then that's where I started like, buy-in so to speak where i started to have it become a part of my life and i'd say from from age 16 until now like that's been kind of my constant view is that you know i need to view god as my friend as like a mentor as as someone who i need to feel comfortable i gotta feel comfortable with god and i gotta have confidence in our relationship and you know view it as like a, a relationship and um oh, so good i i i try and keep things simple in my life because if things get too complicated or if i gotta memorize a thousand bible verses or if i've got to do all types of hand motions i get too confused um <laughs> and, the hand motions i need to learn about these hand uh, well you know ca- catholics do this and there's all types of i think there's all types of religious hand movements but anyways i have I, to say pete when you said like have a personal relationship with jesus i felt like my heart jumped and it didn't feel like it was from like me it felt like it was like just like this like recognize recognition in my spirit because I'm just now like even though I've been a Christian for a year I'm just now really like learning that and like diving into it and being open to it and like accepting it because my yeah. body was like rejecting it for the longest time I would hear the name Jesus and I was just so conditioned by society to think you know by South Park it portrays Jesus as like this clown and like there's so many things like yeah. just portraying Jesus like and so it's taken like literally a year of deconditioning to even get to the point where I feel like open to having that relationship. And like, it's once you just like realize it's the truth, it's just like so trippy and crazy. 
It is trippy. Because it's, it's like just, what your parents taught you is real. And it's like, no way. Like everything's real. Like, oh my God. Yeah. I felt like I literally felt like blind falling off of my eyes and like the records were like screeching to a stop like and I was just like oh my gosh it's all true <laughs> I know the feeling and like you know for, for me what I what I what I've like stayed true to is like being a Christian and having a relationship with God is all centered around being a good person and if you can be a good person that's being a good christian and a good person to me is someone who you know is honest friendly trustworthy reliable um i mean the list goes on and on but like if i strive to be a good person in my heart, I feel like I'm striving to be a good Christian. And when, when I'm doing that, you know, things are all good. Yeah. Yeah. But, so that's where um, I stand. Yeah. Personal relationship. I yeah. I feel like, well, one thing that I learned is that like having, I've, basically have learned you just have to put all your faith on Jesus and because you're saved like technically you can do like whatever you want but like one thing Paul in the Bible says is that just because you can doesn't mean that you should and so whenever we like listen to what God says it's basically just saying like I believe you I believe you that you say this because you just don't want me to get totally effed over by like all these horrible things that my body wants right it's like uh <laughs> which is such a struggle it, it's uh it's a continual journey and it's a journey that doesn't have an end or a destination so i feel like your legacy is left behind so oh man but the legacy you can leave when you're like grounded in god like what I've realized is that culture doesn't want us to know this, but some of the most badass entrepreneurs, richest people that have good hearts and good spirits and they're the best leaders are freaking Christians. Yep. And obviously it's like, you can see why, because they like are connected to the source and like constantly being corrected. If they're being selfish, if they're not handling their like fields well, if they're not treating people right, they're constantly being corrected versus these types of like narcissistic entrepreneurs who are very selfish, like they can make a lot of money, but it doesn't stand and it doesn't hold. And it might not be like a great legacy and overall just not like good feelings, good vibes around it. Yeah. And I feel like, you know, one thing is, you know, sure they can make, there's certain people out there who can make a lot of money and not have any, Totally. moral compass or religious values and then you know eventually karma comes around whatever you want to call it what will come around and dethrone them because they're not motivated or driven by the right things and like i feel totally. like i feel like if you're to put it simply, if you're driven to make those that you work for, or work with, or serve happy, 
like, and you make that your primary focus, obviously, you know, good will come back to you. Happiness will be given back to you. And yes. it's tough. Like that. It's tough in the business world to balance that. Cause like there's times where, you know, I'll have to say, Hey, this is, this is how much it costs. I can't go lower. The price is the price. And then part of me is like, well, if you're That's a person, you know, you would, you would meet in the middle or you would do the deal they want. But, um, you know, there's a lot of different, uh, complex situations that can challenge it, but I feel yeah, like, like, I think you're okay because if you think yeah. about it, God charges us and maybe this is a relevant comparison, but God charges us perfection to even come into his presence. Like that's why we need Jesus to completely cover us with his blood and so I think for us to expect a certain standard is like completely what God wants. Like he doesn't want us lowering our worth. He wants us to see ourselves as like royalty of the kingdom and like that we are just like badass because we are like we're living rooted in the source. So it's like, I think that's amazing that you stick to your guns. I, it, I used to not. I used to, I must say, like... I would be, I'd be so easy to give in to someone who would be like, ah, can't, can't do it for that price. But mm, the old negotiation. <laughs> yeah. Well, I, I worked for Cadillac for over a year, right after That's I graduated from Baylor. Oh yeah, I loved it. And I love slinging caddies. I was a caddy daddy of Dallas. Oh my gosh. And I'm so here for it. <laughs> it was it was a blast. Like the great thing about Cadillacs is, you know, a guy who's a gangster who's like twenty-six, who's maybe doing some um Side Elite. business. She's doing a side business. Loves a good Cadillac. But your 86 year old <laughs> white God loving grandma still loves a Cadillac too and everything in between. So <laughs> I saw such a wide diversity oh of customers and it was uh, so good. It was a great experience. And I mean, that is so good. I still love Cadillac. I'm still like a huge, huge caddy daddy. I still got the plug if you ever need one. Okay, that's amazing. And what I wanted to tell you is I get on this room every morning on Clubhouse, which you said you're not a part of yet, and you need to get on there because you would be obsessed. But this room is called Breakfast with Champions, and there's different like millionaires that share like their secrets and they just chat. But a lot of the millionaires on there have been through like car dealerships or started in car dealerships and like made their way up so i think it equips you with like such good skills you're negotiating all the time you're socializing all the time you're building connections all the time like i think that's like the perfect way to start if you're entrepreneurial it is it is hands down people if you're listening out there and you need to learn how to sell go be a car car slanger I was a sales associate. I like to call it that instead of 
sales greasy. car slanger i'm a car slanger <laughs> a car slanger or or a um we'd always try and like find fancy ass ways to say what we do instead of like oh i'm a car salesman with a greasy mustache and just trying to weasel every dollar out of you sales did and... you have a greasy mustache um no i mean at the dealership i was at greasy mustaches were not authorized it was sewell sewell cadillac at dallas is like the ritz carlton of car dealerships i love so, the ritz carlton who doesn't love the ritz carlton <laughs> it's ladies and gentlemen <laughs> taking care of ladies and gentlemen and is that that song is that, is that a quote from the song no that's ritz carlton's motto or ladies and gentlemen oh. serving ladies and gentlemen so katie where were we Okay, so I have a question for you. And so in the Bible, it says like, not having enough money is bad, but also having too much money is also not good because you can get so caught up in like, it basically just says like rich people will take you to court. They don't think like, you don't think that you need God so much anymore. And it can basically just complicate your life. So I want, I want to know what your thoughts are on that because we live in a society that's like, I want to be a billionaire. Like, do you think that there's a point that could be too much? Yes, I absolutely do. As Jay-Z famously said, more money, more problems. Many other notorious rappers have said the same. But on a serious note, you know, well, I'm going to quote another movie from Scarface. We love Jesus, but yeah, we're rep- referencing rappers and Scarface, but... We can still talk and be real and love Jesus. Of it's course. Good. That's, the, that's the best that's, way to be. That's what this show is all about. Keeping it real in the galaxy of good vibes. Um, Scarface. One of his one of the favorite main sayings is first you get the money, then you get the power, then you get the respect, then you get the woman, and then um and then you made it. It actually cuts off that, and then you get the woman. Um <laughs> good quote. But that sort of uh progression is like a common one that people see. Like, especially guys, especially modern day guys, in my opinion. But um, one thing I think that absolutely comes when you have so much money is you do have more responsibility, more power. And power can be a wonderful, can be a great thing. And I hope people who have power ideally are the right people to have it steward it well right right but that's not always the case but as you gain the more power you gain more responsibilities and the one thing i think is that there's only so much one person can do in their life so if they're if they you know, have made millions or billions of dollars that they obviously know 
how to utilize their power. But at a point, you can get to a point where you have too much on your plate that you lose sight of like what what the purpose of life really is. And like for me, you know, I've made a lot of money. I've lost a lot of money. I've made it all again, lost it again, made it all back again. I know what a shit sandwich <laughs> tastes like. I know what it's like to yeah. be driving on E for a couple months. I mean, totally. Me too. And I know what it's like to be like, I got too much money. I don't know what to do right now. And there's definitely a balance that needs to be struck. And, um, it's a hard, it's a, it's a hard line to walk. I feel like. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I think it's Do you good be to just like start super rich, Katie. I just think right now I'm trying to like steward the money I have for the first time in my life, like well, and I think I just want it to like incrementally increase as I can steward it well like I, I wouldn't want it to just dump on me right now but like in the future like if I really think that I can that I'll do it but I think if I get there like things like fasting and totally depriving myself will be important just to remember like where I came from who I'm trusting who yeah. like I need to rely on for everything versus just thinking like I'm good I don't need any help from God um, so I think like just with more money, you really have to put in the extra effort to remind yourself of your need. So absolutely. Yeah. absolutely. One little trick that I have implemented for myself, which I feel like helps, is investing my money and trying to keep the exact same amount in my checking account, like no matter what. So it's like, at least in my head, I view, okay, this is all I got. Like the investments, don't touch them. Delete the app. Like. That's awesome. Yeah. I, I mean, I try and do it. I, I ain't perfect. There's been times where shit's hit the fan and had oh, to totally. go into the investment account, take everything out of Robin Start I over. just drained my Bitcoin last month because what'll happen for me is I'll make like you one sold it last purchase. month. Yeah, you're buying, I mean, I didn't have you're that buying much Bitcoin. I I like that. That's respect. Well, I just started investing. It's fun. It's fun investing in the crypto. Because okay, the reason why is because I was at a dinner with these guys one time and they were talking about crypto. And I thought all crypto was called Bitcoin. And so I was like, oh, are y'all invested in like the different Bitcoins? And they laughed at me. And I was like, oh my gosh like okay i need to like figure out what this is all about <laughs> and so i started investing and i was like oh yeah that was a dumb comment but um <laughs> yeah wait so you uh, got you got out of it last month last month it was not too hot so you sold at the bottom what? last month the crypto went down pretty hard yeah well, I went on a trip and I accidentally spent too much money. And so I really needed it to get my car out of the parking lot at the airport. <laughs> I didn't you know, the airport is checking. insane how they will charge you. 
I just let myself go last month. So I'm like staying put this month, like getting my budget back in line. But it's all it's a journey. It's a learning process. Oh yeah. Crypto, um it it is what it is. I mean Do you feel like as a guy there's more pressure on you to like have your money situation figured out at all times? Great question. Yes. I will say I feel like I expect that of guys. I'm like, you gotta figure it out, right? <laughs> Which is not yeah. right for me to like that from people. <laughs> but I mean not that's the common thing, you know? Like I feel like that's most women want a guy who is financially secure. And so to back up, like in my life with my past relationship, I want to say like near the end of it, which we had a great relationship. But anyways, I wasn't financially secure, at least to where I wanted to be. It was actually far from being financially secure. And another thing that uh, contributed the relationship changes was really wanted to focus on being a great dad shout out dad nation every girl needs a good daddy so i wanted to focus on that (laughs) but i also wanted to get my money right because it wasn't right and so now it's been since february of 2020 since i've been single and that's like a year and a half and like one of my big driving forces during that time has been I need to get my money right before I go back on the market you know before I start going on dates or going out for drinks like I need my investments to be at X which I have like target a target number that I feel like I'll be comfortable at, but um, yeah, it's like a huge it's a huge pressure. I'll say, like, it fucks with me because I'm working my ass off to be a great dad and get my money right and get it to a place where it's like, okay, I feel like now I have enough money to be worthy of a great girl. But like that, like that's not, I don't need that. Wouldn't you say? Like I should feel. I would say that you are setting yourself up for like massive success in a relationship by taking the time to do that. Like if you, if you, you don't necessarily need it, but it has been like, I think proven that like having your finances in order creates such a greater foundation for a long lasting relationship. So like I applaud you and say, I think you totally did the right thing because like, like, for example, I just got debt free. Like how great is that to like be able to go into a relationship and like launch off with like no debt. And like, yeah, I I went to like a relationship intensive workshop one time where I was kind of like going and talking about money with a little shame. And they straight up told me like, don't have shame around like wanting financial health. Like that is so important. So yeah, good for you. I feel like, I feel like it's a great goal to have, but 
myself and I feel like probably a lot of, a lot of other guys out there who are in the same age range from like 25 to 35, maybe like, oh, I don't have whatever it is. I don't have five grand in my savings or I don't have 10 grand or I don't have a hundred grand. So I can't, I can't be dating. Like what the fuck am I doing? I can't be dating. I need to be working. And like, that's really depressing. Yeah. That's super depressing. So I feel like one thing I'm genuinely trying to work on in my life is like being happy and confident that like I can share special memories and create something special within a relationship without like having to have these certain boxes checked that are personal goals. Yeah. Yeah. There's a lot of guys out there like I have friends too who are like nomads because I don't know if that's the right word. Nomad. They're like, they won't date because they're like, I'm not good enough. I'm not rich enough. Uh, you know? Uh, and I think it just depends are, on what the partner's goals are. Like you can find a partner who like is down to be a nomad and you can find a partner who's going to like yeah. help you with those goals versus someone who's going to, maybe hold you back from them yes yeah i need i need a i need a lady who's gonna ignite that fire and turn it into more money that'd be that'd be you could totally find it you can find it you just gotta be like in those those circles because you gotta get on clubhouse because like once you get on clubhouse you're gonna be like surrounded by so many people who are like uh, am i gonna motivated on clubhouse you really might like it's literally changed my life as far as just like hearing amazing people talk like feeding into me every single day i'm like oh shit i can do this if you have a clubhouse comment your account name in the comments below katie what's (laughs) what's what's your username uh you can find me at katie michaels katie michaels give her a follow or you suck are <laughs> you suck? But no, I like what you're saying about your goals is to just create like those genuine moments and like to be content in life, I think is something that in American culture we're not really encouraged to do to say like what I have is enough. I have everything I need right now to go to this next step and phase of life. Yeah. And I mean we have what we need. That's biblical. Like we literally have like what we need to go to the next step. Been striving towards finding a girl who I'm in a relationship with, who I can fully take care of them. Like that would be great. Ideally, like they don't I, have to work. They don't have to work. If, ideally, I want them to work alongside me, but like still do their own thing. I need someone in the in the in the media realm, but um, we'll see. I haven't gone on any dates or talking to. 
I mean, we're talking we're talking right now, Katie, which is fantastic. But like <laughs> a little that, female uh, interaction for your day. <laughs> yeah, this is great. I haven't seen a girl in fucking three years. No, I'm just kidding. Um, <laughs> I know what you mean. No, I'm not dating a girl. <laughs> just doing exactly what you're doing, building a foundation. Yeah, that I can stand on. It's a it's a good thing to do. It's a good thing to do. I think it's a good thing because for me, like at least I had relationships at Culver and then I had back-to-back relationships after college and my heart got really hard and I've literally needed this time. I've been single for about two years where now I've let myself heal and I'm finally feeling those like feelings again of like, okay, this is so cheesy, but like, I want someone to hold my hand and like, I want to joke around and I want to have a best friend. And for a while, my heart was so hard that I was just like, just so pessimistic, I would say. And just so like, would not have gone in. Yeah. And just like, it wouldn't have been like, so like fun and innocent. Like now it can be like fun and innocent again because I've taken the time to heal. I can like go in and have like a healthy relationship. And not just one where I'm coming from, like, a wounded past. Yeah. I feel like that's key. I mean, a lot of people say you have to love yourself before you can truly love another. And I agree. Like, you know, loving yourself. Love is about not being perfect, but, like respecting yourself i feel like that's what loving yourself is and like being being happy with who you are and confident and where you're going and like that's if you can if you can have that box checked then you're good to go i love that you said respecting yourself because i think so many things come along with that you can learn to say no when someone offers you something that you know is not like in alignment with what your worth is or someone comes up to you at the club and they're super attractive and when you were 21 you would have like hopped all over that but like as an adult it's just like no you know what I mean like I don't I don't know you (laughs) who Who are you (laughs) are we still going to the club Katie we go into the clubs. I still have to go to the club and dance. Like I'm a Christian, and I still go to the clubs and dance. What's up? <laughs> are, are we doing like uh, two step in, or are we? What kind of dancing? Grind, um, I don't grind anymore. Jiving? My best friend grinds. I mean, I. It's not my, like my a, sister will grind. Isn't it like not super <laughs> a thing anymore? It is. It is. When's the last time you went to the club? Damn. It's been a while. I've never, I fucking have always hated the clubs. I've always been like, okay, let's go. So you can get your fancy drinks and dance around. And I'm there for it. I'm going to have fun. But like, I'm excited for us to go home and have fun. So what's your preference? What's your having fun preference? Like what's fun to Pete Ham? I know it's a loaded question. I hate when people ask me what I do for fun. It's a great question. I'm asking you. I'm asking you right now. (laughs) What do you do for fun? Hey, I'm an open book. I'll answer any question we got. Usually I'm the one asking the questions. So it's nice. It's refreshing. Um, What do I do for fun? Or what would like my ideal date be? Date. I want to know about the date. Ideal date is 
going on a walk outside in nature. Yes. I love that. And hopefully bring in my dog if he's not being a nuisance. Watch the sunset. Yeah. Watch the sunset. I'm a big nature guy. I'm a huge. Me too. I'm such a nature girl. I'm a huge, I'm a huge nature guy. And some of the girls I dated in the past weren't as down with the nature as I was. And I got to say, that was a a mark against them. That's a deal breaker for me. I dated a guy that I was super into and he didn't want to go like do outside stuff with me. And I literally ended it. I was like, I'm so sorry. That was, I'm not going to not do active things for the rest of my life. Right. And like, we live in a world that is so technology driven that there's just a feeling that cannot be replicated without being outside and being outside with someone who you enjoy is just like, damn, this is great. So the first part would be going for a walk at a park or like a, um, botanic garden i'm into that shit and um i actually i i love the fort worth botanic gardens if you've never been highly recommend so first thing would be doing something outdoors um a hike just maybe just like i'm not trying to work out by going on these uh nature adventures (laughs) I will if the girl wants to because that's been the problem in the past. The girls have thought, oh, you're trying to go work. You're trying to take me to work out. And I'm like, no, I just want to go walk. <laughs> um, and then uh, go have a couple refreshments. Ideally, ideally somewhere in the park or just go to like any bar nice patio a nice patio like that'd be perfect but like i'll go to the greasiest shittiest bar and like still be happy about it like i don't care and then um and then go back home and whisper sweet love songs into each other's ears no just like chill okay okay not whisper <laughs> sweet love songs. Put that on your hinge that's a, profile. <laughs> that's a joke. But I... <laughs> it's not high maintenance. I want to have, have nature mixed in to us being together and then a couple drinks and then you know, who, who knows what can happen after a couple drinks. Yeah, that's good. I think it's really good to go on low maintenance dates because you can see if you would actually be compatible in real life. Like my big indicating factor is when I go to the grocery store with someone, if we're having fun, I literally I say this on my hinge. I say this on my hinge profile. I'm like, if we have fun at the grocery store, then I know it's a match. But if I'm like feeling stressed or like pressured because depending on who you go to the grocery store with it can either be like a nightmare like stressful situation or it can be like so like fun and relaxing and you're just like looking at the food and you're like planning a meal and it's so great and I just or another one for me is if we get a flat tire like how the person handles the flat tire because for me like I'm I'm super chill I'm like 
we got a flat tire. Let's call it AAA. Let's chill. Like this is life. But I've dated people where like we get a flat tire and it's like their world is crumbling. And I'm like, you are not my forever person if you can't handle a flat tire. It's so random. Uh, these are random things, but these are my indicators. If you're a guy, you got to be <laughs> able to handle a flat tire. But oh, gosh. I've had... La, la, those are good gauges, Katie, I must say, because like a flat tire situation shows someone's true colors, no doubt. It totally does. I've been with people <laughs> who have just gone to fucking berserk. They've been like, that piece of shit, this guy, this nail in the road. God, ah, like, don't they even think know their world is. is ending and then it feels like it is like it's all about how you handle it like if you think your world is ending then yeah it's gonna seem like it yeah. problem solved yeah and it's like a puzzle it's gonna now. be okay yeah <laughs> like it's literally gonna be just fine <laughs> if you're on the side of a highway it's a bit more stressful but even then i think you can still what's somehow your, what's been your worst way. flat tire scenario Oh my gosh. So I ran out of gas with this one guy I was dating and he was just, he was like a child. You ran out of gas or he did? It was my car. We ran out of gas together and it was on the side of the highway and he was just freaking out. And I don't know. I think I have this like God given gift where in really intense situations, I get this sense of like peace and calm. And so I was just so turned off by it. I was like, Oh my gosh, this is like, so not cute like just the freaking out and then we get to the tire shop and he's like he was going crazy saying they're charging me too much for the tire and they're ripping me off so i'm a girl i was like i literally don't care like just give me the tire i'll pay the money and i will go on with my life like right. I'm, a, I'm a very much a person that i'm very much a person that just wants like the least conflict which might not be a great thing i'll go to extreme measures to minimize conflict like <laughs> it's kind of funny <laughs> to talk about but i'm what's called a relentless or i call i guess i just call it this a relentless optimist who's like no matter what happens just because of the shit i've been through in life i'm like hey it could be worse it ain't that bad like we'll get it figured out it's all good it's all good in the hood this kid's in africa getting shot at like we're good dude so what are your markers like what are your like weird little things that will like tell you like a red flag but it's kind of random like mine's the flat tire do you have anything like that for yourself um how much time you spend on your phone during meals oh my gosh yes oh that is like my biggest pet peeve yeah it's it's literally like unacceptable to me for anyone to be on their phone on a date or like all my friends will know this about me if we're having a meal and it's like uh not just your random hey let's have lunch it's like plans i'm always like boys phone pyramid right now everyone give them to me there's always a few people like, dude, fuck you. I'm not going to be on my phone. I'm like, nope, pyramid. And I have two phones. So I always put both of them together to trick in people that like someone's already, someone, someone's already bought into Pete's idea. So now everyone's got to go in and it works every time. <laughs> like my main one, just because. That's a huge one. Like that's monumental. Yeah. Like the difference between a person that 
isn't on their phone and is attentive and one that is on their phone and it's not attentive is like everything. The main thing is at meals. Main thing is at meals. No For doubt. Sure. For sure. That's I guess good. a flat tire. Oh, and what they eat, I guess, is if they're very picky with their foods. If are you vegan, Katie? Just no, I'm not. I'm super curious though. Like, what if they like don't eat healthy at all? Like, it's like for is that a turn off to you? If it's like completely don't eat healthy at all? Yes. Or no? It is a turn off. They're not cognizant of their health. I'd say that's what can be a turn off because you can eat like a shitty greasy meal. And if you're like, oh, that was like a shitty greasy meal, I, I need to maybe go for a run or maybe mix in a salad tomorrow. At least having that awareness is like, oh, okay. Well, at least, you know, they, they know their selection at Sonic getting a, a Oreo blizzard and a large extra large order of cheesy tots wasn't necessarily healthy but you know they know that they have to maybe make up for that if they know that then i'm good sonic is great but back to like what your point was i agree with you because i think if you're someone that is into like caring about your health that you and you know like what a difference it makes in your mental health in your personality and the way you can show up to the world like you want someone that can reciprocate that back to you. Like being able to show up and be clear and show up and be like driven. Cause like if you're working out consistently and like making sacrifices when you eat, then that means you can like, when you're at work and you want to quit because you're feeling frustrated, you know, you, you remember when you worked out a second ago and you wanted to quit. And so you keep going. So it's like those types of things where it's like, you know, that carries over into like every single other aspect of their lives. Spot on. So spot on. And like, yeah, I've, I've been on both ends of the spectrum where I've dated, dated, uh, gals who were like, Hey, I'm only eating healthy. I'm only working out. I'm only, um, where there's oh, no room for like oh, fun. Yeah. And that sucks too. But I've dated the other side, which is like, Hey, let's eat whatever we want. You know, no working. Let's not work out. I don't like working out. The gym is just full of meatheads like you. And like, it's not going to be for me. And that sucks as well so a balance just like with anything in life is key yeah and like, i try i try and be a balanced guy like i'm all about having a good time couple drinks sure a cheeseburger love a good cheeseburger like totally. as long as the awareness of what is healthy and what is not healthy is there you do what you want but as long as you know the difference then i'll be a happy man yeah me too me too katie you used to work out a lot at culver i remember seeing you a lot at the gym there no i didn't i did not work out at culver i actually like well, really i would see you and i would see you in the gym I, don't know. <laughs> I would make a presence you'd walk in it, it was a presence for sure 
Yeah. You and I. I, know. I didn't work out that much at Culver. Y'all be hanging out but, in the yoga area. Yeah, I love to hang out at the gym. I love to socialize at the gym. I love to socialize at everything. <laughs> I, I spent most of my Culver career socializing, I would say. You definitely did. More than studying. You definitely did. <laughs> I mean. I love people. Like, I'm, I don't regret it. I've. I'm the same way. Like school was not a priority to me. As long as I had a 3.0 or higher or near a 3.0, I was chill. You were chilling? I was chilling. Mr. Myers class. I remember it kind of being hard. I just remember we had to re- read the book Brave New World. And I was like, <laughs> book is so trippy. I was like, this Soma shit sounds pretty good. How do I get some? <laughs> I do you remember? I do not the remember that Soma book either. That I, they would hate. No. The is Soma that like a drug. It, yeah, it was like in the book, which I only read the cliff notes. Sorry, Mister Myers, still passed. <laughs> um, I'm a big cliff note guy when it comes to academia books. But um, we had Brave New World, and Soma was like ecstasy that they would take. I remember this book like kind of blowing my mind. Soma is a drug that is handed out for free to all the citizens of the world state. In small doses, Soma makes people feel good. In large doses, it creates pleasant hallucinations and a sense of timelessness. The drug Soma is a symbol of the use of instant gratification to control the world populace. Mm, That does sound like relevant. But they would describe it as like ecstasy. That's how I remember the book. I'd be like, they're talking about ecstasy. I remember I don't even know if I knew what ecstasy was. I just remember at Culver, I was watching the I'm Schmacked videos, being so excited for college. Do you remember the I'm Schmacked videos? Or was that give just me? me give that was give me a refresher. I, I'm remembering, okay, so but I'm, I'm not fully remembering. <laughs> okay. You just refreshed me for with the Soma. So I'm Schmacked yeah. was like videos where they would go to every college. That was like a party school and like film like the party scene there. And they would always say, like, no illegal drugs are used in the filming of this, just props. And, you know, that was a lie. They just had to say that for liability reasons. But I was so excited for college. I do remember those. Culver was so, like, like Culver got everyone so hyped for college because we'd be like, (laughs) I'm ready to get out of this shit. These, These uniforms and, like, I'm getting yelled at when I'm just giving my girlfriend a peck on the cheek. Maybe a little bit more, but still getting yelled at. And like, (laughs) I was like so fired up for college, leaving Culver. I remember. Me too. Me too. There's some, it's kind of sometimes the occurrence that some people after leaving Culver kind of go off the rocker once they go to college. Most go very prepared. 95% 95% go very extremely prepared, I feel like, because they've been on their own. But there's been some who've just been like off the rocker. Where did you fall in that range? Somewhere in the prepared. middle? I was prepared. I was prepared for sure. I don't know if you know, but like 
my Culver career as a cadet was unique. I think it might be historic, needless to say. I started out, um, we have boards, which is like when the guys, new cadet to old man, I went to the last boards, which basically this guy doesn't give a shit. Like we need to put him through or else he can't come back to school. So we're going to put him through. So I went to that gotcha. my first year, my second year continued the fuckery. got in trouble, got into some trouble, couple tobacco violations. Sorry, mom. And, you know, continued that into the beginning of my junior year. So I was like the lowest rank. I was the lowest rank I could be as a junior. I was always well-liked, I feel like, or respected at least. But I was using that respect I had not for good. I was always using it to be way too extreme or too goofy. And then I got my shit together. And then long story short, I graduated battalion commander, which is like the second highest rank. Wow, that's amazing. Yeah. So all the guys, all the tight dicks, which is what I used to label them as. The what? <laughs> the, t- <laughs> the guys at Culver <laughs> who, are, who are like really military, especially from the start. I, I at least referred them to as, no, oh, they're, they're tight dicks. Like they're all about the rules. They want to make everyone happy. They're they're gonna be uh, they're gonna be a goody two shoes. So all a lot of those guys, great guys, you know, have worked. Yeah, no re- hate against them. No hate, zero hate. All love, respect. Honestly, respect. Res- like respect. I was, I would have been in that state of mind. Respect. Yeah, Hondo P. Like they were basically like that for all four years but then peter started working hard to get his shit together and i went from the lowest rank to battalion commander of the infantry which was like a lot of people were like what the fuck this isn't fair like i remember i love bartleman and he like she was always a good, super good cadet, like hard worker. Bartleman is on his shit still. Yeah, he's still on his shit. He's a great guy. I fucking love him. He's to shaking that. hands and taking names. Yeah, <laughs> he's getting after it, and he always has been. But he had worked. He had worked really hard all four years at Culver. You know, clean as a whistle, record wise. And me, I had gotten. Five or six tobacco violations, may have got some girlfriend occurrences in the wrong places, and so on and so forth. But um, yeah, it was between me and him who was going to get it for a final semester. But oh my gosh. It was quite the turnaround. But I realized hey, people, people do respect me, and people will you know, follow my lead. Like if I said, Hey, let's go fucking burn down the math and science building boys, get fired up. Let's go. Like they would come. But if I used <laughs> it for the good, good things would occur. So that, so good. that consensus came to me 
Dude, Pascal Braun. Got to give a shout out to Pascal Braun. He talks those mentors him. that speak life into you and see the vision for you that you don't see. Like that is what life is like all about. Yes. But your story that you're telling me, I think it's like it makes sense because that's like the essence of Culver. Like that is truly what Culver is meant to be. It's to like take people that didn't see it in themselves and like bring it out of them. Maybe it takes four years. Well, screw it. Like we're there for four years. So like we have the time. So I think like your story is really what shows like the turning of a leader because so many leaders, yep. like it's literally statistically proven that like the millionaires in this world are not 4.0 students. They're just not. Like, yep. so like your story makes sense. Like, because you had those leadership qualities, but they were just pointed at the wrong things and you just needed someone to like shift your perspective. Yeah. That's sometimes that's all it takes. And planet podcast scene 69 take 69 <laughs> with Katie Michaels in the building. We're here. Katie, I know you're extremely passionate about mental health and I want to ask, where does this passion derive from? Oh, man. Um, I think everyone's mental health passion comes from their own mental health, going off the rails and wanting to fix themselves. So then you just completely dive into it, searching for answers. And that's pretty much where it derived from. I'd say my mental health went just kind of crazy after college. What exactly happened? I know well, we spoke about how you know, the religious impact and how you were. Well, I'll just be completely after. transparent with yeah. you. Know, like for the first three years of college, I was just like partying normal. And then I started getting into the rave scene and in the rave scene, um, drugs are just like very normalized. Absolutely. And so I, I would say I went down like a psychedelic journey. Um, but one that I now think is not necessary that's just my personal opinion everyone else will say otherwise but I would rather have kept my mind innocent I would say um and so yeah I, I just kind of went into like a deep dark place of thinking I know all the answers and um I just went on this like search for my purpose and it just led me to just like incessantly researching mental health stuff and I I think it's I think it's all very still relevant but my mental health improved when I met God like that is what improved my mental health like all these tips are great like meditating and journaling like all that is so fire because you learn like who you are you learn how to find peace but like in my opinion like until you meet and trust a God that is watching out for you and you're not on your own like Mm -hmm. that's best of luck you know with your mental health fills that void of seeking the answers yeah exactly exactly because it can be a really lonely place when you are searching for your purpose and you're trying to be ultra productive Mm. and um just like striving super hard and thinking all these accomplishments are going to fill you up and like I was at that point and I had my podcast and I started this like little business and I was just trying so hard to find my value and what I could provide to people, whether that be 
giving them answers about their mental health. They're giving them answers about um, maybe their journey rather than just thinking that I have value. That just comes from being Katie Michaels, like a lovable human girl that doesn't need to provide services to her friends to be of value. So that's kind of where, (laughs) that's kind of like, it's come full circle. So like, for me, I don't think that my diving into mental health was necessarily like the healthiest path, but I think I still use some of those tools now that are great, but yeah. I love it. I love it. And so I mean, and you can go into what you'd like. So when you did go into like the rave scene, I've also been to my fair share of raves and been on psychedelic adventures. <laughs> put it like that. Um, yeah, totally. So I feel like one thing that can occur during being in that chapter, or at least for me, is you feel like when you're on the psychedelics, you're receiving a lot of answers to life that you were seeking. But then, like, when you're not, when reality comes back, you're then able to see it's not as easy as it may have felt compared to when you're tripping. I'm a big supporter of mushrooms. They can help only if used seldomly and with the right people yeah and so i thought long and hard honestly before i got into this podcast with you do i want to share that part of my story or do i want to keep it secret but i realized like i have to share it because that's what actually happened to me and like this is like yeah. such a real part of my story but this is a hot take and one it's that I real, think God- it's relatable too there's a lot of other people out there who have maybe gone through something similar and who don't have the strength to necessarily share it with others. So be, be proud and be, be happy that you're sharing your story with others. Because at the end of the day, one thing I feel like is no matter how crazy or fucked up or maybe like potentially unrelatable a story might be when you think it's unrelatable it's probably really relatable oh my gosh so relatable and okay so this is a hot take so like strap into it for it but like I feel like God put it on my spirit that so do you remember the story of Adam and Eve when they're in the garden and they eat the apple of course love Adam and it's love Eve. it's that it's the apple of knowledge, of knowledge, secret knowledge. And I, I feel like in our day and age, like acid and these like going into like hardcore psychedelics is trying to obtain exactly what they were trying to obtain. This godlike, unknown secret knowledge that us as humans maybe weren't as meant to know. We didn't need to know, but we have the option if we want to go down that path and take it. And I took it, like I took that option and it can completely unground you from reality and it can be hard to integrate back in. And a lot of people don't talk about some of the negative side effects, like were there positive? Yes. I actually support the psychedelic research association that uses it to help people with PTSD and controlled environments. 
But the fact is, like, not many people are using these things in controlled environments. They're in festivals where they're far from home with people that may or may not take care of them. And festivals is the worst place for people to do this. Oh show. my gosh, it's so but, bad. Like, when people ask me, I'm like, be at your house, be safe. Like, yeah, be with someone chill. who you're like <laughs> so comfortable with that, like, you could tell them anything. You could say, well, I tell this to my guy friends. You need to be with someone who you can tell you, you shit your pants and they'll take care of you. <laughs> yeah. And you also need to be able to tell that person your deepest, darkest secret and they'll be okay with it. And if you're with one of those people, then that's the right type of person to be with. Exactly. Exactly. So yeah, that's like, that's perfect advice. And um if anyone that listens is curious, I would just say, like, proceed with caution, have fun, be in a safe environment that where you are, you feel at home and where you have an inside and outside area, not at a festival. And just know that there's beauty in having innocence in your mind and not knowing everything there is to know that as humans, maybe weren't ever meant to know and maybe can't handle. Some can, but... I just think there's a lot of beauty and innocence that I never realized before. I agree so much. One thing I will say um, from the mushroom side, yes, there's a lot of downs. There's, there's a lot of bad that can come with doing any sort of psychedelic. And this isn't medical advice and we're not doctors. Mushrooms though, are the one substance that I feel like is very internalizing whereas drinking alcohol doing any sort of stimulant um doing any sort of like party drug all of those are very external like you just feel like i can say whatever i feel i can do anything like if I want to go dance to that girl, I'm going to go dance to that girl. If I want to go stand on top of the bar, I'll stand on top of the bar. Green lights to express yourself to the max and more. Whereas mushrooms, mm-hmm. at least for me, very internal, makes me look inside and think about who I love. Yeah, it sounds Aww. soft. It sounds fucking soft. There's but, no, that's what life is all about. There's nothing soft about love. I know. There's just, absolutely nothing soft about it. It's like the most just, intense thing ever. <laughs> it's so true. Mushrooms always show me that love is the answer. Aw, it is. It so is. And it's so easy to. That reminder overflows into other areas of my life where I'm just like, you know this situation that has been dragging me down that has been holding me down that has been making me stressed frustrated maybe made made me distant will simply be solved by resorting to that simple fact that love is the answer like if i if i show love and maybe it's reciprocated maybe it's not but i know i did did the right thing yeah yes did you feel like that bleeds into like like a big theme in my life that's being brought to me right now is like having grace for people and having like major compassion for people and like 
extending forgiveness to people? Do you feel like it bleeds into like those areas as well? Oh yeah. Yeah. No doubt about it. I feel like minus mushrooms, I feel like that's a big part of who I am and what has made me who I am because I've experienced everyone's had hardships. Everyone's been like through their own dark chapters in life. I personally feel like I've been through a lot of things that are relatable to some people in one way or another, which has helped me because like, you know, I'll be able to relate to someone who's had their heart broken or someone who's been cheated on or someone who's been like deceived or the list goes on and on and on. But, um, it's a, it's allowed me to relate. And with that relatability has come the compassion because I'm able to see myself where they are at that chapter of their life. That's so good. And do you feel like, like for me, what's been a struggle is releasing myself from my past wrongdoings and like saying like, I'm worth forgiving myself, like allowing that forgiveness to come over me like do you feel like you've had any of that type of oh yeah type of situations yeah one thing that really i bet the fact that you know i i knocked up a girl who i won dating and i had a kid and like that's you know that's the old hometown story old old johnny got his girl (laughs) got some other girl pregnant when it happened to drake we're all good (laughs) yeah yeah old drake there's an album about it yeah which that's not exactly what happened but you know me me having a child with having a, a beautiful amazing daughter with a girl was never in a relationship with kind of put me into that mindset of where i'm like god what a, i'm a piece of shit like i had my whole life ahead of me and you know now this happened now i'm like now life's never going to be the same which it isn't but it's 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 a good thing like i look back and always think about the quote god gives his toughest battles to his strongest warriors and i think about that quote and i think about every every daughter needs a daddy who loves her and those are the two things i only focus on and if i only focus on those two things like i'm extremely happy and proud of who i am but if i don't think of that like in the past where when things started coming to reality to light to light to light um you know during those times i definitely felt like it was hard to love myself yeah because because I i was simply worried about what others would perceive of me but oh man that's a daily struggle it's a daily struggle. And I mean, it's, it's a natural occurrence for any human being out there. We're like, herd animals. <laughs> yeah. We're herd animals. You know. 
I hate to call us herd animals. It sounds so like <laughs> we got herd immunity. We ain't herd animals. But you know what I mean. We like like we need our socialization. Being rejected is like it's just the scariest thing for for right. me. Like my inner, you know, also like your inner child, like what they're scared of. It's like your subconscious. That's a better way of saying it. Like you're acting out of your subconscious most of the time. What those deep dark right. fears are that can right. cause you to hide stuff and yeah. project a certain image that will be widely accepted. Absolutely. I feel like once you come to the understanding that, you know, at the end of the day, everyone is trying to write their own story. Mm -hmm. And, you know, you are the master of your ship. You are the captain of your destiny, which that's a quote. Not, (laughs) not, not, not a Peter (laughs) quote, but, um, you know, once you understand that, your perception of yourself is decided by you or God or both, ideally both. Yeah. But, um, totally. like I'm working with a life coach right now and I was just telling her, I was just being honest. I was like, I feel like jealous of these people that we were close and now it feels like they're close without me. And she was like, that's really great that you're noticing that because as long as you're looking for your love and acceptance from people, you're never going to get it. And she was like, you have to look at that from, you have to look for that from God, which is so hard sometimes. It's like, I don't see him. I don't know where he is. And it takes this. He's not commenting on your pictures. He's not liking my stuff, but just that shift in perspective for me that was like yeah. a week ago has changed everything like I was scared like a friend was mad at me the other day but like when I usually would have had like a massive anxiety moment I felt at peace because I remembered what she said and I applied it and I and like it's I don't know it's like as long as we're looking externally for that validation and not trusting in God it's just it's always going to be a struggle forever yeah it's like a, it's like a hamster in a hamster wheel who's like continually running, never reaching any, not going anywhere. Yes, exactly, exactly. And when you're running that hamster wheel, it's so, it's yeah. You, I feel like when I was on the hamster wheel, I was just um, living off of temporary highs and like what we were talking about earlier, like instant gratifications of just hits off of people like making people feel good making people like love me all these things but it's just so unsustainable yeah and i mean it gets it gets harder and harder for people to love you as our human race progresses into the future because you know in the olden days you know, you would go to school and Johnny would be cute and you'd see him at the supermarket and you'd just, you know, wear your beautiful dress and hopefully he sees you and like that would check the box. But now fast forward in the future, there's so many different elements of like your, the gauge that shows how much do people love you? 
in you know in the eyes of certain metrics for example like different social medias see how many how many views you got how many likes how many so on and so forth like you know now there's so many different ways you can look at it when it's the end of the day none of that shit matters as long as you are happy with who you are and the the way i like to put it as long as you are taking steps forward to leave the legacy you want to live then you're headed in the right direction i love it i love it big legacy guy i love thinking about legacy speaking of speaking of that katie we'll go deep with a question off the noggin what do you want is is deep (laughs) um what do you want people to think of katie michael's legacy when you're gone in one sense the painfully honest but person that made you feel seen someone that freed people from shame and connected them into, plugged them into God and helped them find freedom. I would say that is the ultimate legacy. I, I, it's in me. It's not something I chose. It's something that was put on me. Like what I've chosen. Yeah, exactly. Like, like right before I got on this podcast last time, I feel like God dropped it into me and said, like, don't worry. Like you're made for this. Like you're made to get on podcasts. You're made to talk. You're made to tell tell stories and be honest. And it's it's been something I've struggled with. I thought I need to hide these things and try to come off as perfect. Now that I'm like a Christian, but like that's the fact. of reality is like that's not. I'm still me. Like yep. I'm still the person so that I am. Yeah, yeah. exactly. I want to know what your answer is to that question. <laughs> I will. Uh, let me let me get to it. I do just. Going off what you just said, I want to say that one thing that is so valuable about being honest, especially when you're putting it out out there, so to speak, whether it's on Facebook, Instagram, YouTube, if you're getting it out to the people, if you're showing your honest, true colors to the people, it's serves as a natural filter to the people that you actually want in your life. Cause like I've learned. So true. Wow. That is so true. Thank you it, for saying that. Yeah. I've, I'm, I've come to that realization. Like I've got people who are like, I love the podcast. Like, like some of the stories you're telling or you just saying how, X, Y, or Z happened to you. Like that was some crazy shit. And I, I probably wouldn't have said that, but I love it. And then I've had other people who are like, oh, that's, you can't, you can't be saying that. And I'm like, well, it's too much. It's too much. It's, it's too, too challenging. Much. Yeah. Oh, it's too it's, challenging to think about. Right. And it simply filters my life. It's like pouring my life through a Brita filter of who actually rides with me and you know a lot of people maybe don't come through the filter but as long as there's uh, a few then we're doing good 
always told myself when I started the podcast, if there's one, if there's at least one person who will value the show, I'll be happy. Oh, it's hard too when people get caught in the filter because like I've come out of both Culver and college and been like kind of sad, of course, that some of my relationships didn't make it. And like, but the fact is, is that I have put myself out there and I, I know that that is something that just happens. But one thing that I'm sorry, I'm such a Bible quoter, but one thing the Bible says is just like, you have, I love to, Bible look, quotes. You have to look forward and you can't look back. Like there's someone in the Bible that looks back and they turn to stone and that is such a lesson because now I'm getting like, I, I worry about these things, but when I look around who my community is, it's Christian entrepreneurs that are these forward thinkers and they're like kind of like an online community. But when I really think about it, I'm like, this is a dream. Like, why am I tripping over the fact that, but it's the reason is because I love those people. So it makes me sad that like, it didn't I'm in the work. same boat. I know. And it, it, it's heartbreaking too, because you want, like, there's a lot of people who you just feel so deeply connected to in your life that like, you feel like no matter what, like, you know, I, I know they're better than this, or I know that I know they're still going to support me, or I know they're still going to ride with me. And when they don't, it's just like, can be so painful. And like shows you, you know, the filter of your life. It's so true. It's it's so hard though. Like I think it, us acknowledging that it's hard and not it's easy hard. is so important. Because like I, I mean, it would be so easy just to put away this person, put away part of myself, and throw the mask on and stay there in my back in the comfort zone and party for the rest of my life. Like I still like to party, but you know what I mean? Just like stay at that, like my path brain dead. That's, I don't mean to insult anyone, <laughs> but you know what I mean? Just like it dumb, yeah. like numbing yourself down and like keeping your conversations at a certain level where you feel empty at the end of the hangout or like things like that. So true. It's, it's, um, you know, a lot of people say it's meant to be like in relationships, like boyfriend, girlfriend, but I feel like, you know, the same, same type of approach can be applied to like your friendships or sometimes your family too. I mean, oh, like yeah. th there's people, of, people in my family who are like, God, I, I fucking love the, I love what you're doing. I love the podcast. I love your business. And then there's other people who are like, what the fucks? You, social media, come on. This podcast, you're saying, you're saying crazy shit on the podcast. Like, come on. So it just. So will people say that to your face? Because I personally never had anyone say anything to my face. It's just, the you can just feel like. Majority of its feel. Majority of its feel. I'll have some people who will say say certain things to me. Ninety five percent of what I hear on the podcast is just like, I loved it. Like, it was great. I enjoyed it. Keep keep doing it. Keep it going. Keep going. But, yeah, and then 
there's some who will be like, you know, I don't think you should have said this, or I don't think you should have gone into that. But what gives me peace of mind is knowing that, you know, I'm, I'm the one who actually has the courage to speak about that. It's like a level up every time Yeah. that, that you know, I'm able to put myself out there and show my true colors, speak about my story, be honest about it and share it. But usually the people who are like bitching about it <laughs> are the ones who I'm like, you know what? I know you would never even come close to sharing your story with the world. So your feedback don't fucking matter. Exactly. Do you feel like on the flip side that when you're going into this arena with these people who are plugged into their purpose, uh, very driven, like for me, what my struggle has been is going to these spaces and feeling like I'm worthy of them and like finding my voice. Like very recently I've been in a group of very powerful entrepreneur Christians and I'm in there. I'm just listening most of the time, but every once in a while I get the courage to speak up, which is not like me. Like I'm usually not shy, but on the flip side, my question is, do you feel like you have to also reach into yourself and find the courage to be amongst the people that are at your next level? Yes. It's a very nerve wracking thing that I feel like a lot of people deal with when they're speaking or addressing people who are apparently of a higher class or just plugged in they've just found their worth they're they're just people like us but they've just come to their like their worth usually they're older a little bit maybe than us and uh, right that's what i found yeah so i'll preface it by saying i always get nervous in those situations like you know when i've when i talk to a lot of the people I work with are men and women who are in their fifties and sixties, very established business owners. And I always get a little bit nervous and I always, um, you know, kind of feel like I'm lower on the totem pole, but that like, that's my natural feeling. But what I have to remind myself is, you know, they have never met anyone like Peter Ham, and they have never met anyone who has a story or knowledge or expertise that I have. So I need to be confident in that. And I try my absolute best. It doesn't happen seamlessly every single time, but I try my absolute best to remain confident in that fact. And when I do, it gives me it gives me so much more opportunity with that person because, you know, I'm, I'm able to sit at the same dinner table with them and it's tough, but you just have to recognize no one can offer what you, you have to offer and, and take and think about those times in your life where you went through something very unique that no one else has doesn't have to be a prince princeton degree it doesn't have to be going to the prestigious culver academies it can be any unique scenario in your life that has made you who you were and draw strength from that 
and use that as what kind of bolsters your your confidence and your right to be there. Yeah. And you got to be your own hype man. That's one of my <laughs> big things too. And what I've realized is that for the people that are a little bit ahead of us, they love to give to people that are a step beneath them. Like that is what, like giving is receiving. Like I heard a quote one time that says, when you're giving, it's the only time we get to experience what it's like to be God. It's the only time we get to step into that feeling of what God gets to do for us is when we're being generous. So when you allow someone ahead of you to see you and give you advice, so you have to come in with both humility and confidence, a perfect, a nice balance of both and allow for someone to pour into you. Because that, it gives life to those people who have already made it or, and then other people above them are doing it for them. And it's like, it's a gift to both parties to be able to get in that space. And they just want to be maximally happy about their gift that they're giving. Maximally happy, ladies and gents. Wow. What an exceptional vocabulary word. Is it an actual word? I have no idea. But do I hope that you're maximally happy? I absolutely do. Ladies and gents, Katie and I continued the show. And the show does, in fact, go on. Because the show must go on. So there will be a part two of The Wolf and the Fox. So stay tuned and stay hyped. And as always, ladies and gents, if you enjoyed today's episode, do your boy some favor and show some love by liking, subscribing, dropping some comments below. And as always, share this podcast with your mom, your dad, your uncle, your aunt, your brother, your sister, and make sure you share it with even Rick down the street. Because everyone needs some good vibes in their life. We had an absolute blast. We hope you did too. As we always say in signing off, remember that you can never overdose on the good vibes, ladies and gents. Until next time, adios, and keep the good vibes at all time highs.